Pod Boys Productions. Hop on one foot, skip on two, dance, face with hat lady. Bounce on four, swing on three, let's play face with hat lady. Welcome back to Movies Are Relevant on Brooklyn Rebound Network. It's time. It's a, your boy, Padre, of course. It's time to get back into the film canon. It's time to discuss. Well, it's time to swelter in the heat of the summer of Sigourney. How are you doing over there? Eric, you're sweating out this Sigourney summer. I am sweating out this Sigourney summer. Constantly feels like it's over 90 in Arkansas. I love it. I'm so glad I moved back. No complaints at all. It's my favorite time of year and my favorite place to be here during it. Rarely do we get so little sarcasm in this day and age. It's, it's refreshing to see it, to hear it from you. You dash not. You know, I'm all about being upfront with my feelings this week. All right. Perfect. Well, listen, to, to look ahead a little bit, we did get back into our Sigourney bag. We we did a little rewatch. I mean, assuming it was a rewatch for you. For me, it was a rewatch from back in 1999 when it came out mm-hmm. originally. Saw it in theaters. Don't believe I'd seen it since then. Uh, Galaxy Quest. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But uh, that, was, that was fun to revisit. And uh, on the main, the, uh, the main topic, though, the the newer feature we're going to talk a little Wes Anderson with Asteroid City but before we get into all of that how are you doing on this uh, eve uh, this Barbenheimer eve Eric? Um, you know I'm celebrating uh Barbenheimer eve you know just quietly with my family this year you know we had everybody come in from the countryside and uh lodging lodging with us we've got a full house and, and we're all ready for Barbie to come down the chimney as long as Oppenheimer doesn't blow up that chimney first, I don't, I'm trying to remember the tradition here. But yeah, yeah, you get it. Uh, yeah, are we still planning to? I know we had talked, probably off mic. I'm not. I don't remember for sure who was on the show, but we were thinking about next episode maybe doing that, breaking the format a little bit. You know, we've been doing like a, a new film paired with a classic, quote unquote, film. We're thinking about breaking that format a little bit. Next episode, I guess the August episode, talking Barbie and Oppenheimer. Is that still in the cards for us? What do you think? I think that's only right as we get more and more on top of current events and and watch films closer and closer to the time when uh, us talking about it would be relevant. I think it's time to talk about the only two films anyone can talk about this summer. Which one are you personally more excited for interested in. oh i'm a barbie girl in this case i've never been the biggest nolan head i like interstellar a lot but you know i've never been the world's biggest no- uh, nolan head dunkirk's pretty good too i'm just gonna start naming it nolan movies and decide that i do like him anyway i it, it's not that i don't like him it's i am really fond of everything Gerwig has ever done yeah obviously less body of work for sure than nolan but um directorial at least um but yeah i'm not a nolan head either i do feel like he's maybe a little overrated or at least 
maybe not overrated, but he's overhyped, or there, he has he seems to have a certain fan base that's very vocal. Well, it's like he you, you get I mean you get so much buy in from people by making decent Batman movies that he's just got loyal he's got loyal fans for forever. I feel like um, even when his movies don't make any sense, like Tenet. Uh, yeah, Tenet was a uh, kind of a miss for me. It was like maybe fine. I would watch it a bit better. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I've never seen Interstellar still, by the way. So that's a big oversight for me, I guess. But I know some people say that's his maybe his best uh, film. But... I don't actually know that many people who say it's his best film, but it's one of it's probably my favorite of his. It's a big swing, and it's really manipulative. And uh, I bought it. You know, <laughs> I bought the whole thing. Yeah. It was kind of catching the tail end of the reconnaissance, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Is that mm-hmm. accurate? That's right. Plus, I guess my lifelong uh, celebrity crush on Anne Hathaway didn't hurt, but... Good news for you, Eric. I saw on Twitter, the uh, despite the actors, uh, the SAG striking along now with the WGA, the, the whatever uh, Anne Hathaway movie is currently filming has dispensation to continue filming to completion, so... Oh, Nice. Hell yeah! It's uh, David. It's David Lowry's new film, I guess, of a ghost story and. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. So I had heard that she was going to be in David Lowry's next movie. Um, I, I don't know what it's about. But. Me either. I haven't checked in with her in a while. She's been doing like prestige TV, and I'm not that interested in it in TV. Hmm. Yeah, I think she was in a show about the WeWork guys. WeWork yeah. Or something. Yeah, there's a huge string of TV and movies that's all about, like, real-life companies, and I haven't checked too much into any of this stuff, but it seems to be the biggest thing going. Yeah, I kind of... Zeitgeist-wise. I kind of, like, picked one and watched it, and um, the Amanda Seyfried one where she plays Elizabeth Holmes is actually, like, pretty okay. compelling, um, but, I mean, it's I mean, she's just one of our best actors, you know? Yeah. I think Evil Alex was uh, watching. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Another thing Evil Alex and I have in common. You, you do a lot in common. She did watch, get, rewatch Galaxy Quest with me too. Unfortunately, she's not home right now to uh, get on the mic and talk about that. Oh, damn it. Or I was going to have her slide in for that, but oh well. She did not watch Asteroid City with me. Uh, she's not a not a big ScarJo fan, she told me. I, I didn't dig in on to, as to why, but. Are we big ScarJo fans? I don't think I'm a big ScarJo fan. Uh, I don't. I'm not a self-proclaimed big ScarJo fan. I'll just to look ahead to Asteroid City. I, I thought her performance was very good, and I, I thought she was one of the better parts. Hell yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I like her pretty well. I I can't say I've ever like disliked her in anything. Um, no completionist. There was a moment she was having a real moment in like 2012, 2013, when she did uh, Under the Skin and Her. I thought those were both mm-hmm. really good, even though hers obviously only her yeah. voice. Agreed. And then it's just been a lot of Marvel, as far as I know, uh, which obviously I'm not into. Yeah, she's the uh, Black Widow. Old B-Wids. She must have done some other things since the past few years. Now yeah, she's more. Jojo Rabbit. She's the mom in Jojo Rabbit. Oh, yeah, she's getting that to you. I, I, I was a kind of like, that was like a B-minus of a movie for yeah. me, but, but she... Also one of the better parts of that one, I would say. She does stuff. Uh, I mean, I've never, like, dis- actively disliked her in anything. Except maybe those early Woody Allen performance. Uh, or I haven't seen movies. any of those. Yeah, I mean, 
whatever. It was like Woody Allen, his thing is like if he's not starring in the film, he, he puts like an avatar of himself in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like what, like Larry David's in one of his films, I think, right? Which kind of makes sense as the Woody Allen avatar, but like Scarlett Johansson does not make sense to me. And again, I haven't seen either of those. I think there's two films she's in of his, but yeah. it seems very odd. I, I, don't, I don't remember liking either of them, but uh, it's fine. We don't have to talk about Woody Allen ever again um, as a culture. We've, we've earned that right. Yeah. Like she's, she's okay. I guess I like her. I don't like care enough to say that like she's one of my guys, you know? Yeah, no, she's no, she's a Gorny or a, or up. Well, we haven't talked about her in a while, but have you ever checked in on Florence Pugh recently in old Pugh Corner? Oh shit! We had, we we completely dropped the Pugh review. That was that was very twenty twenty one. Yeah, she did a movie called like The Wonder last year. Don't even recognize the title. She's like a nurse coming to like from the church to investigate the claims that uh someone is doing miracles and therefore should be sainted right in like rural 1800s ireland and it's like it's like not bad but it's what i mean it it would it wouldn't have made my long list for last year um and then she did uh that movie that zach braff directed her in while they were um still a couple are they not uh, that i did not watch this year no no they're not Okay. Called a good person that I I just can't bring myself to watch it. Just I don't know, man. No, that's uh, I think even though I do like Pew, I think I still need the uh, the combination of a good director or something I'm interested in. I think she's about to have a big Polish year movie. though. What's she in? But speaking of, I mean, it kind of ties back into Barbie because she was, uh, of course, in Little Women. The, uh-huh. the uh-huh. was last directorial effort, I believe. Oh, she's in Oppenheimer. Oh, she's in Oppenheimer. Well. She's fully Barbenheimered up then, across both, degrees-wise, at least. Oh, Don't Worry yeah. Darling last year, which was an awful movie that she was good in. Yeah, I heard that was very bad. It was a was train like, wreck. i watch that. Yeah, she might have scuffled a bit for us, but we'll see if she returns to form in 2024. Or in Oppenheimer, I don't know what she plays in that, but... She plays Jean Tatlock? I don't know who that is. Someone who worked in the, uh, I believe it's Los Alamos nuclear testing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. New Mexico I'm not a big op-head I'm gonna see the movie I'm gonna see it but it's three hours another fucking long boy that's putting me off a little bit I probably will go see it in the theater but I don't love that runtime. that's tough yeah I mean and it's literally like I looked this up today in fact it's literally 3.0 it's not like 2.59 it's not 3.01 it's exactly three hours apparently honestly I respect that that that's a choice to get it there, and I don't know if I've ever noticed another film being ex- literally exactly like that on the three hour mark. There, I'm sure there is there out there, but I don't remember ever seeing it. I honestly respect the flex. Um, I respect it. Yeah. I I have been rewarded like two and a half hour movies, two hour and forty minute movies. Like those are the ones that sometimes feel like they drag because it's just like bloated, like Disney schlock, right? Every time I've had a movie that's like, do I want to watch a three-hour movie? It's like fucking drive my car, right? It's like, yes, this is one of my favorite films uh, of the year or decade. Um, and I it was deeply rewarded to have sat down and watched it. Fucking Tar is like 245. Yeah. I mean, with Drive My Car, I'm pretty sure I broke that one up into two sittings. 
And it was like fine to do that. I expected to do that to drive my car. And there are, there are like places where you can just fully pause. It's like whatever, right? Yeah. Um, I expected to do that with drive my car, but uh, found it, you know, just delightful, just mm-hmm. heartbreaking and, and, and beautiful. Uh, which is not my the reaction I had to the last three hour film I watched, uh, but was afraid. But I also mm-hmm. like that movie a lot. Okay, I still haven't seen it, so we'll talk about that sometime. We'll time. skip it. Skip it for now. But you, you, t- I gave a tentative uh, thumbs up to it. It sounds like there. Yeah, yeah, tentative. Th- it's unsettling and clever. Just, just like okay. all this other stuff. And speaking of long-ish movies, I did uh, get to. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning a couple days ago. It's mm. probably about like two hours forty or so, and okay, with that type like of it. you know the the Mission Impossible movies don't you don't really feel the runtime too much like they're just pretty much all action. So right, right, they're they're like getting strapped into a roller coaster, my guy. So spoilers off review. Uh, what what would you think? Uh, it was another good one. I mean, that's the basic review. I still got it. Like Hallie Atwell. She's gave a good performance to me. She popped off screen, liked her. You know, Vinger Ames doesn't stand the whole movie, I don't think. Uh huh. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, but still, good presence on screen. You know, it's. I I wouldn't say it, it was the best in terms of like the um, stunts this time. Like, it didn't have like any one stunt that was blow that blew my mind. Like maybe the last couple. of... But it was still, all the stunts they did have were still, like, great to watch, you know. Okay. Um, I guess the big one is, like, him biking off this, the side of this mountain cliff, basically. There's, like, a part of the... From the trailer, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's partially in the trailer, I guess. Like, he's, like, too close to the cliff to just go right off, so he has to go around and go off this, like, slope part, and then parachute down on top of a moving train, basically. Okay. That, that scene capped off nicely without finished which i won't spoil but that was that it ended it did end with one part one of the only parts of the film where i was like oh damn but yeah overall i mean it wasn't there there's been better stunts in these films but still really good i mean a lot yeah a lot of train stuff they kind of went back to i think mission impossible the first one the brian de palma one had a lot of train stuff and seemed like they're mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. back to the well on that a little bit redoing some things yeah they say the key the the, the MacGuffin in this one is like a key and they say the key roughly 92 times, probably. The key, the key. Right, it's right, right. Key. But anyway, yeah. It was good. I definitely uh, enjoyed it. Who knows when part two will come out. At least with this one, you know, I knew it was part one going in. And also, at this time, it doesn't really matter with Mission Impossible movies, I guess, you know. Yeah. Part one, part two, whatever. But I, I did at least appreciate knowing that. And, like, unlike Spider-Man spider-verse whatever it was called where it was clear at the end like oh that's end of part one like what fucking dune part one dune same issue yeah so anyway well hell yeah uh yeah i can't so you're gonna be you're gonna be doing a triple a i guess it would be let me do the math on this probably like an eight hour 45 minute triple feature but i never agreed to that (laughs) <laughs> uh, I do have a big two weeks ahead of me trying to get to all three of these. I'm um, very excited. Plus, I need to see Insidious, which I'm probably just going to wait on that one at this point. It sounds like Mission Impossible for you is doing this triple header. I wonder if I, if I could pull that off at this point in my life. I'm just joking with you, Eric. Don't, don't. That's too much. I mean, that's too extreme. 
It's too extreme <laughs> even for me. This isn't jackass over here or something. You know what? I just love Tom Cruise, and if that's what he if that's what he needs if for me to help him save cinema, I will do it. I like seriously like sometimes I start to tear up thinking about how much Tom Cruise loves everyone's movie and wants everyone else's movie to succeed. I he is he is Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean we'll see if he maybe he'll be the one to figure out this uh, actor strike and get the studios in line. We'll we'll see. But he better uh, get to work. But yeah. I don't know. I was starting to get to this thought. I don't know if I finished it, but yeah, like, but, but part two of Dead Reckoning, I guess, is probably going to be uh, well delayed because of the strike. Right, 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 right. Um, was probably going to take two more years anyway or something, so let's see. The last Mission Impossible was 2018, too, which seems like... I feel like it was longer ago than I remembered. Like, it seemed like there was one more recent to that. It might be partially because of top the Top Gun sequel. Yeah, yeah, Top Gun. Kind of the same vibe that, but I was like, yeah, oh, it's been five years already. Wow. Yeah. So this is Mission Impossible six. I think it's seven. It's seven. Okay, we've got three GoPro, Rogue well, Nash, and then let me see. So De Palma did the first one. John Woo did the second one, which I would say is the only one that's not good at all, in my opinion. The third one is Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain. I remember. I think it might be J.J. Abrams. Fallout. The fourth one, I think, is Ghost Protocol. Brad Bird, I believe, directed that one. And then I think Macquarie took over. And I think this Dead Reckoning Part 1 was the third Macquarie effort. Yes, he did Rogue Nation in 2015, and Fallout is the the name that I didn't have locked down. Yeah, if you're like, I'll give you $100 to name what the the 2018 Mission Impossible is called, I probably would have not got that money. Yeah. Did not remember that. Yeah, Dead Reckoning is a little bit of a more catchy title, I will say. It's, I don't think Ghost Protocol is ever going to be topped. That's definitely the... Mm. Dead Reckoning also sounds like the name of a finishing move in, like, wrestling or something. Mm-hmm. Or a video game. Yeah, a video game, like, de- I guess Dead Reckoning Redemption or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Giving, giving those vibes. Well, yeah, there's a lot of blockbuster action going on. We'll see if Barbenheimer saves cinema. That, that remains to be... But... Let's get to it. You know, it came out probably almost a month ago at this point, but we're talking about it now. And, and true movies are relevant for We got to let it sit for a little bit. This is as topical as we're <laughs> capable of being, guys. On <laughs> topicality. Wes Anderson's new joint, Asteroid City. It's already on VOD. I did see it in the theater, though. I think you, you saw it twice. You told me off mic, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, theater I saw it, the, I saw it in the theater and then, uh, and then on VOD, okay. yes. So we talked a little bit. We texted a little bit about it, not too much, but I think where we were coming in at, at least after your first watch, you were saying Stone Cold Classic, you loved it. I was saying I liked it quite a bit, but there I did have some structural issue with it. Uh-huh. Are you still are you still on your after two watches I guess now, are you still on that train of thought that you are? Uh yeah. So without spoiling anything, uh Stone Cold Classic, five stars. Um, favorite film of the year so far. I have not seen Past Lives, everyone. Wow. Number one this year so far with a bullet. And gonna be hard to push off. I think that this is Wes yeah. Anderson's masterpiece. I am a big fan of Tenenbaums, like everyone else. But it might become, or it might currently, I don't I don't know, be my favorite Anderson. 
I think this is the culmination of the Wes Anderson project in a way that really matters artistically. Um, and I think you're tripping and or uh, out of your mind high not to like the, the structure and the form stuff that we'll, like, we'll, we'll talk about. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let me just... Yeah, we're getting to spoilers pretty quick here. But um, when it comes to Anderson, I guess, I'll say my perspective. I He's kind of a guy where I pretty much liked all of his films that I've seen, which I think is all of them at this point. Mm-hmm. There may be one I'm missing, but I think I've seen them all. And I don't hate any of them. But I've also still never got gone like the extra mile to be like he's one of my guys. I love him, you know. And even the Royal Tenenbaums, which you just referenced, I think partially it was I never saw it. I I saw it way later than it came out. Like uh-huh. like I only saw it for the first time. I want to say like six seven years ago. I'd seen a lot of his other films up to that point. Since then, I don't know. I just missed it somehow, you know. Even though I always heard about it. And I was like, yeah, I get it, but I didn't love it. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, it didn't bowl me over. Like, it seems like, and I know a lot of people say it's one of the best movies ever. Uh, best, so, I don't know. I think Moonrise Kingdom is probably my favorite of his films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And the parts I loved about Asteroid City were reminiscent of that to me, I will say. Right, right, the, the, the young romances. The stuff with the kids, yeah, is what I like the most. The teens, basically, young teens. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm in a weird place with him where I respect him a lot. I, I like his stuff, but I don't... Uh, I'm not a fanboy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Without getting into too much spoilers yet, all his films to me have, like, a certain kind of artifice, you know? Yes. And it's, like, showing... So, like, with this one, I feel like he took the artifice a little bit too far, maybe, for me. And it was, like, a little hat on a hat to me. If you understand what I'm saying, I think that I should let you finish. Um, but I will say you have up to up to the point of seeing Asteroid City and just like weeping in front of a theater full of people and my mother. You were describing pretty much my experience with Wes Anderson um, when I became aware of Wes Anderson in in like my late high school years. It was like, what the fuck is this? This is indie tweet bullshit. Um, and it's only, like, as an adult that I've just, like, forced myself to revisit the Wes Anderson, you know, experience. And it was like, oh, yeah, these movies are very good, if not my favorite movies. I mean, it's, his visual style is clearly, I think, I don't think there's many people that would argue it's not, like, pretty amazing, you know? At, mm-hmm. at least singular. There's, like, a whole thing now about, like, AI trying to, like, people doing, using AI to, like, make his style or something. We need to take the internet away from people, but... man. I know. Like, congrats, you had a computer put the cast of Star Wars within a symmetrical frame. Like, great. (laughs) You're an artist now, I guess. Let's say spoilers from here on out. I I don't feel like... I think this is another one that's not really too spoiler-heavy anyway, you know? Yeah. Maybe you disagree. Do you disagree? So, let's just... We've kind of talked about it. Let's just explain, like, the situation with the movie a little bit. Um, And, uh... Then we can go full spoilers. Well, that's why I was going to get into the structure, so I was just saying, like, spoilers. But I guess that's not necessarily a spoiler. But yeah, that's not... Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't consider that a spoiler, but then I don't care about spoilers. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so... Uh, well, so the... Yeah, so... Uh, it's... The structure of the film is basically, like, it's a play that they're doing. So, the Asteroid City is, like, this kind of... Again, back to Oppenheimer, New Mexico, I think, town, or... or I don't know if it is New Mexico, but somewhere in the southwest. Uh, it's New Mexico, I think. Okay, very 50s kind of vibe, like, take off on, like, a 50s southwestern 
sci-fi type of thing. Like, yeah, old school, like, Route 66 stuff. It's chock full of all the Wes Anderson, I would say, gimmicks, but, you know, his his stuff, his oeuvre, um, you know, from the performances to the visual style uh, to the humor, etc. It's all there. Meticulously developed uh, dollhouse-like sets. Right. And I really loved all that stuff. Like the the parts that were the actual story of the this asteroid city, I I lo- I would give it ten out of ten. Whatever, absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. But it's built around this kind of like play within a play type thing, where like Brian Cranston is like this announcer or a narrator, I guess you'd call it, talking about how this play is being done. Like Edward Norton is like the playwright. All these characters, some of the characters like Schwartzman, Scarjo, right there you see scenes with them as the actors or whatever they are. Well, they're actors, but yeah. You see scenes with these outside people. Yeah. Adrian Brody's the director. These are all done in black Adrian and white. Brody playing kind of Mar- uh, Marlon Brando? Yeah, well, I didn't even get that. I A Marlon Brando type. Yeah, there's this framing device where the actual movie is supposed to be like this TV making of documentary about a play, Asteroid City, and then that's all in black and white and it, it is distinct from the color portion of the movie which is the actual story of asteroid city yeah like technicolor very yeah, of what happens in this desert town yeah yeah and i guess for me i just didn't need the extra stuff i don't know again i really liked the asteroid city part it, it was very a lot of parts of it were very reminiscent of moonrise kingdom which again i said i was one of my favorites for men all yeah all that stuff was working and like what I said about the artifice, it, it does have that artifice already in that section, you know, mm-hmm. in this whole story. So I don't know. To me, partially, I felt like, again, like I said, it was a little hat on a hat. And I felt like it was kind of an excuse to get a lot more stars or actors in the film that didn't need to be in it. But it's the same actors, I though. I mean, it's just the same actors plus Adrian Brody. Well, no, I mean, like Cranston, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, That's Willem Dafoe was in it for a little bit. Margot Robbie came in for a scene. Uh, all these people uh-huh. had these. So, some of the scenes I did like, like, I guess one that I liked was um, the kid on the train delivering letters. I think from they're supposed to be right. From that's that's not what he said to do. He said to give it to you. He said to read it that out loud. That was a good scene. Yeah. Also, by the way, I feel like that kid. I don't even actually know his name. I should look that up. But it's Woodrow. That actor kind of stole the movie to me. Like I thought he was. A, He's the least famous one, or one of the least. Um, his name is film, but, Jake uh, Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Okay, Jake Ryan. Yeah, I thought he was like amazing. Like he did, he had it in that part, black and white part too, but also in the main storyline. He's like Jason Schwartzman's son. He was really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved all the stuff with the kids. Like, so it's like these kids are like kind of geniuses, like science geniuses. They're going mm-hmm. to this asteroid city or whatever for this what is it like some ceremony or some festival thing it's some like military industrial complex like congrats genius young inventors uh for making military tech jeffrey wright is like as this general who gives a speech uh, that i will say jeffrey wright is so good really well in this one like i wes anderson's films all have some humor that i like but this one like almost every almost every job was hidden for me yeah, the only one I didn't like was when Cranston showed up in like the real scene, 
And it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be in that. Oh, I'm not in this one? No, uh, no that... Yeah, see, I, that was a I, I, I loved that. <laughs> I thought it was oh, okay. really funny. But I wasn't bothered by the framing device it, itself anyway, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I keep saying the same thing, but I guess it just felt unnecessary. I was going back to Anderson's last film, The French Dispatch. Uh-huh. I liked this way more than that one. Way more. But the framing device at least kind of made sense to me in that one, where it's like, this is the newspaper, uh-huh. and here's our couple different stories that these reporters did or whatever, you know. And that's like, fine, fine enough of a framing device. He wants to do something like that. Even though I didn't like the film nearly as much overall. Do you remember when, for three months, I was just pretty sure I didn't feel that, that passionately about that film, and then we recorded uh, like a, like an Oscars bit and you kept saying that you didn't really like it that it wasn't one of your favorite movies of the year and i kept getting angrier and angrier and discovered that i did love that movie we have fun here actually i kind of did blank that out maybe i didn't remember that you actually loved it i guess so you do you do love that uh, i guess so I, re- I remember distinctly on the pod you kept saying like uh yeah, not I do my favorite. Saying I was wish you'd done something it. else, and then we kept talking about little bits, and I kept feeling myself getting hot about like, how dare he? Like that is that is a wonderful bit. I, I I was very moved by that part of the movie, and that it's just every part of the movie. Well, why do you think that's important? The the structure structure for this. One. I think that this movie is doing a lot of different things, and I don't think once again you don't have to be a genius to watch a fucking movie. If you think about it, if you go read about it, you can figure stuff out. It's fine. Um, I don't think that this is his most, like, accessible for... I, I, I'm blanking. I pardon pardon me for using the term normies. Uh, I don't think this is the most normie accessible Anderson movie, for sure, because of that framing device. When when the red meat of the, of the movie is... Definitely the what happens in the colorized like asteroid city, the little drama, right? The actual play uh, that the rest of the film is talking about. But the framing device, I don't know if I'm imagining this or not, but the framing device feels to me like like a comment from Anderson on like a bunch of different things, partly about how we as a modern society are like so like atomized and irony poisoned that we cannot experience devastating and terrifying emotions but from the remove of ironic distance and detachment every every time during the asteroid city play did you i i I know you caught these characters were saying these like truly like dramatic like lines directly to the camera The, the these these Lines that were supposed to be coming, like, right out of their souls. And they kept ringing hollower and hollower. Except for the one where Leah Shriver's kid is just like, do you dare me to climb that cactus? He's like, what is the point? Why? Why? It's just like, because I'm afraid yeah. that no one will notice me. Uh, except for that one. They all feel so hollow and, and, and distant and wrong. And I think that that is a comment on how if you come to, if you come to cinema for that, that's not, you know, bludgeoning you over the head with emotion i mean it, it, it becomes fake right the only way to get guess, deep into that is is to i don't know experience the detachment and understand the detachment and keep keep trying to make it real like they say at the end of the play when uh when uh, the guy who plays augie 
<laughs> to back up, when Jason Schwartzman, as the actor who plays Augie in the colorized portions, is like, I keep trying to do it, and I, I, I don't understand why he burns his hand on the quickie griddle. And I, I, I keep playing, it is breaking my actual heart that I don't understand, and I don't know if I'm doing it right. And Adrian Brody playing the director is just, in, 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 in so many words, is just like, yes, and that's the thing, you're doing it. I think, I think the movie doesn't work if you don't I mean the movie clearly works like the story of what happens in Asteroid City is good it, it is a good little story and it's very cute and it, it, everyone gets a little button but I think the form the structure is part of the story of this movie about the importance of and 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 the the horrible <laughs> feeling of trying to face those big emotions and not understanding them but but that you do have to keep trying I also think and this is the last thing I'll say before I give the floor back to you, that it's kind of a comment from Wes Anderson about people misunderstanding the Wes Anderson project, that these very mannered characters not saying what they mean except at the last mm. possible moment when uh, Ben Stiller says, I've had a tough year, Dad, you know. That these characters experiencing from this mannered distance all of the, all, all of the like ups and downs of their lives is not... The point isn't the detachment. The point is that these feelings are so scary and that the characters don't know how to get to the center of what they're feeling. And that the point is you have to try. I guess my counter would be, I don't disagree with anything you said, really. I think the movie could still work without the construct like, and get those themes across, you know. I don't know. It could, but then it would just be fucking um, Grand Budapest again, right? He's already done that. I guess that's true. I, I mean, maybe it's just because I liked the setup of this one better. Mm-hmm. So I was getting annoyed like that. It had this other part. I don't know. I really don't know. I It's hard to argue against what you're saying. Um, but I felt like I just enjoyed the other part. Well, and I can't tell you that you didn't, right? <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, I don't... I think you could still get these things across. Like the thing about burning your hand, I get that was set up all there because of the, the part of the, the actors in the play. But it wasn't necessary to me. Like, it, I felt like that was reverse-engineered into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, when you get to that part where he does burn his hand in the real, in the play, yeah, whatever. Well, but and even... Like, oh, that's what... I, but even, like, when he takes you out, and maybe this is too cute, and maybe this is manipulative and whatever, uh, but but when they do take you out, and um, Schwartzman is talking in the, in the black-and-white section during his audition talking to uh edward norton's character yeah 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 the the writer they start making out uh they do establish uh affirmative consent when he's asking like at the very beginning like i don't i don't understand why augie would burn his hand um uh and then he says like what he thinks augie is feeling and norton's character goes that's that's a great line he should say it out loud thinks for a second and says no, that wouldn't accomplish anything. That's not... The point of the scene is that he doesn't say it out loud, right? Which is why I think I'm onto something about all those lines about, like, we're two broken people who don't talk about how we feel because we don't want to think about it, right? Like, that's not a devastating line. It would be... It Maybe it would be on fucking, like, NBC weeknight dramas, but that's bad TV, right? The, the point is that the line feels hollow and that the, you see the actors actively trying to figure out what the point of making any of this is if, if, and how hard it is to get to the center of those emotions. Both, both for the people in the play 
who are very much experiencing those emotions from the edge um, where this where they're where they're just saying what they think they're supposed to say and it sounds fake right and for the people on on stage in the black and white portions anyway I'll stop uh, screaming at you about this I think we both liked the movie no that's good we did I guess to me I just I'm just frustrated about it a little bit because I I didn't get what you got out of it I guess um, I would have just rather had like because his other films like you like you referenced Grand Budapest these other ones. Mm-hmm. It, it's that same, the Asteroid City part, portion is that same kind of style. But even on top of that, I was looking at more than his other ones. Like, I thought it was punchier comedy. It still had the quirky aspects, like, you like from Anderson. Like, how, like, Schwartzman holds his, like, lighter up and the guy puts gas on in the gas station. Like, all his little yeah. touches. Like, the 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 daughter, uh, Schwartzman's daughters were really funny. Um, doing all their, like, witch stuff. Yeah, truly amazing. Who is this old man? <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. And I'm like, that stuff doesn't fit to me as if it's part of a play, though. You know what I mean? So, like, you at the same time, they are getting these things, these uh, grander issues out about, like, what am I saying? What does it mean? Uh-huh. All these emotions. But that didn't completely jive to me with the Anderson quirky touches that he still has in there. Well, and that's why none of those really happen, except for the Brian Cranston bit um, that we were talking about earlier. That's why none of those really happen in the in what is supposed to be the real world yeah i mean other things i guess like, like well for with how many char- uh actors were in this i was surprised no no bill murray no owen wilson i don't know where they were for this yeah yeah i was a bit confused about that too maybe he just thought he leaned on them a little too hard or i don't know what but i i feel like tom hanks was definitely doing the bill murray role in this one certainly and maybe he- who do you think was the Owen Wilson? Because I have a, I have a, my theory on it, but Owen Wilson. There was one character that was like this. Probably would could have been written for Owen Wilson, and they got this, and then it's this other person. Um, the kid who invents. Well, not a kid. Rocket. Well, that that that's why it's not Owen Wilson, right? Uh, the kid who invents the <laughs> rocket, who's just like, <laughs> like I will not snitch. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, no, who were you thinking? Uh, Steve Carell, I was thinking maybe that could have been. Oh, yes, I understand. Um, <laughs> he is kind of doing... Uh, Carell is almost kind of doing his pattern of voice a little bit. A bit, a bit. I loved, Car- I loved Carell. He was good, though. I liked him. I liked him a lot, actually. It was, it was fun. I, yeah, I liked the whole thing. Again, like, the ki- I love all the scenes with the kids going around and talking about... Like, they're playing this game that was like... Uh, I don't know, I guess just naming famous people and getting them all in order, and they're, mm-hmm. they're all geniuses, so like they're like, this game could just go on forever. Are we allowed to name another player's mom? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because Scar Joe is like the one girl's mom who's a, a famous actor. I like the whole, between Scar Joe and, and Schwartzman, like their whole relationship was good. Yeah, that was, that was really um, and lovely. And they're talking between these little house kind of shack things in Steve Carell's hotel. I like the, uh, you know, Tilda Swinton, as usual, is great. I, she is one Dr. of my favorite. Dr. Hickenlooper, I think her name I, is. I am just, yeah, Dr. Hickenlooper. Uh, I, she's one of my favorite on-screen presences. I just adore her. Uh, I, I, I think that she's incredible. She really gives a different performance in, like, every movie. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I need Joanna Hogg to make another movie. Or Luca Guadagnino to start using her again. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like whoever gets her gets her. Like yeah. whoever's up to make the next one. Yeah, I like one thing I noticed was that I don't know if this was some kind of comment on the play aspect or what it was, but 
uh, or just another Anderson touch. But I liked how pretty much every scene, there like multiple characters were just in the background, like named characters that had dialogue at some points in the movie, but were just like, even if they didn't have dialogue in the scene, in the background, fucking around. Like every tableau had like four people in the background just standing there. I mean, it's definitely an Anderson thing. I can picture it in his other films too. For sure. I didn't. I never noticed it as much as in this one. Like Matt Dillon is just in the background of one scene that he's no reason to be in, like with like the cowboys and stuff, and or what's her name, teaching um, Ethan Hawke's daughter. Uh, Maya Hawke. Maya Hawke and Rupert Friend. Maya yeah. Hawk. Yeah. I don't know. It's all good stuff. I'll definitely watch this one again, and maybe maybe we'll see. Maybe I will. Uh, enjoy it more. Maybe I'll get the whole picture more on the next watch. Well, I mean, it, it's not... Okay, it is like I got something out of it that you didn't, but uh, it's it's not like... I don't know. I'm not trying to insult you by saying you didn't get it, and that's why this is this is a five-star movie. No, I'm saying if you got what I got out of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck you, man. You're saying you're a genius who gets it, like those kids in the film. No, I mean... If you came into the movie on the same wavelength that I came into the movie in just, just like, what what I was looking for specifically, I mean, obviously you know more about film than I ever will, right? But That's not necessarily true at all, but... Coming into it, like, especially because my, like, my background, I'm just, like, so primed to consider the form as part of the music from music school. Coming into it prepared to see structure, um, structure as text in this case, I think made it a much more enjoyable experience. I think if you if you open yourself up to that interpretation, I don't think this stuff will annoy you. Which is, I mean, not to say that I've seen something that you couldn't or that, that, the, that the viewer at home couldn't, right? I just, um, I just have my interpretation and I think it's right and I'm going to start keep screaming about it because I think it's a brilliant movie. Uh, favorite film of the year. It's my favorite of no the year. No one's so going to knock it off, you said. I guess I would say maybe I did say I was annoyed a few times. I I well yeah you specifically really say, said it annoyed you. I'll uh, walk that back a little bit. I was never really annoyed watching it. I will say, just just I was just like oh I could have done without. I guess which is not the same thing as being annoyed, but it's just right right. I it's got more you. of like being annoyed after the fact. I don't. Know. It's just to me like the perfect case of like the geeky stuff for the real heads, you know, being the emotional content. And also we are, we are two for two consecutive summers, uh, watching a movie with a direct reference to a beloved anime. What was the other one? Uh, oh, the Akira nope, slide nope. in Nope. Yeah. And then the congratulations. Was that even a year ago? Fuck. Geez. Yeah, that was last year. And then the congratulations redux at the end of this, which was just devastating. Um, anyway, it's more popular than ever. <laughs> well, let's do a little, a few minutes on our, our pair here. Uh, we got to give it up for Sigourney. So Galaxy Quest. I got to apologize to you, man. I really whiffed on this one. I should have, I should have thought harder about Sigourney Weaver movies. This movie is a turn. Oh, maybe we'll, okay. I disagree. I thought it held up pretty well. So we're really, we're, we're really not on the same page at all in this episode. Okay. 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 But yeah, let's, uh, I, you I, I thought it, I thought it was up. pretty good, honestly. Like I felt like it's a film that doesn't really get made anymore. This is the only movie that I said I would shut up. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. What? This what? is the only kind of movie they make anymore. But we'll deal with this. We'll we'll deal with my angry ass in a second. I mean, it's like a mid-budget comedy, 
adventure movie, not even adventure movie. It's like a mid-budget comedy sci-fi movie with a great cast. I don't. I disagree that if you say this gets made all the time now, maybe maybe you can uh, fill me in on what you mean. So yeah, uh, this is a movie, and um, I'll I'll let you finish introducing it. But I will just say that this is a movie that. Um, well, everyone knows what Galaxy Quest is. I, it's a pretty famous movie, I think. Right, nineteen ninety nine, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver. It's a star. It's basically a star. That's cast of like their version of Star Trek. It is obviously a show like Star Trek was there. Has-beens are going to conventions, and there's real aliens out there that come and get them to save the day, because they think it's real. The show is real life. But they're actors, and then actually their training um, in Star Trek trivia uh, helps them save the day. Um, Yeah, just real quickly, and I'll let you keep talking about it, because I've been running my uh, my mouth uh, the whole fucking time today. This is the only kind of movie they make, because this is a movie that it was part part of the first wave of this, that uh, is congratulating nerds for being nerds, for, for, for recognizing references to, um, you know, n- niche genre content. And that is the only kind of movie they make now. We, we just, on Twitter.com, had, like, a, a, a public meltdown about how bad the fucking, the, what am I trying to say? The cameo section. There's just just an extended twenty minute cameo where everyone from past DC movies was recreated using AI so that they could be. Well, let me let me stop you right here because is, I think this is already yeah this is already going off your point because this is not has no cameos of like it's not really Star Trek. They don't have like um, William Shatner or anything in it. Like it's not referencing anything directly other than that general idea. It's not pulling in famous act like care act characters from this thing well it's not ip at all everything today is ip this is a completely original idea yes my point more is that the the only thing we make now are movies full of dead reference and self-congratulation and and masturbation about being a comic book fan right or a star wars fan or, or a dc fan or what have you dc are comic books and this is this is a movie, the, the the whole purpose of which seems to be actually nerd, it is good and valid that you've devoted your life to this fake uh, universe. Which, like, I don't know, I, I'm coming off like a real asshole on this episode, but, <laughs> and I know that this would have been received differently in 1999, but in with a 2023 brain, I can't watch this movie that tells nerds it's okay to live with your, it, it's okay to live your life by insisting that everything become the thing that you wanted when you were 13 years old. And that that's that's good, uh, and that that you can live a, a you know a fulfilling life that way. Well, it's an interesting point. You're really taking a macro here, I guess, of like what it means, and maybe how things have gone since '99 in this ne- somewhat negative direction, which I don't disagree with. I just feel like when I saw this originally in 1999, I'd never seen Star Trek. I still have never really seen it. I've uh-huh. seen like Star Trek Two. I'm not Same? into Star Trek whatsoever. So, like, I wasn't necessarily getting any of these references that are potentially in there. And, like, the stuff about, like, the red shirt, like, uh, Sam Rockwell is, like, this character who's, like, a no-name. He's like, I'm gonna die. Yeah. You know, there's these little touches that, yeah, I mean, it was probably funnier at the time, or more novel at the time, 25 years ago. But I think, I just, I think it's a good script. It sets up this up nicely. You don't need to have the references. I don't really feel like it's celebrating nerds in this way i kind of see what you mean 
Like, there's, like, this Justin Long character and uh-huh. his friends that are, like, they think it's all real. And they're, like, I knew it was real, you know, all this sort of thing. In a way, I think it does actually tie a little bit with Asteroid City because I think that, to me, the thrust of the movie is more about the Tim Allen character and and the actors in general, not just Tim, but, like, the actors in general, like, how they feel about their own career and that it's, like... Mm-hmm. And, like, the whole... I mean, Alan Rickman is really funny in it and he's, like, this serious British actor like kind of like how it was yeah. in real life I guess who's like devastated that he has to continue doing this he's only known for this like one line um, and that ever that's all everyone wants him to say and all this stuff but he caves at the end because it mattered so much to the lovable uh, alien Spock that idolized him right he changes his mind he, he, yeah. he, he, he says the line uh, yeah exactly so I, what I think I think it is like uh the actors, it's kind of like an allegory for these actors being like, they're upset that they're pigeonholed into this one role, except for the typical yeah, yeah. actor, who's just happy to be that until he overhears people saying how pathetic he is, you know. But everyone else is like, up is, uh, all the other actors, are, for the most part, are upset with their station in life, including Sigourney Weaver, so she, who is very hot in this movie, by the way. So, yo! had it going on um in 1999 but anyway like she's it's a typical thing of like the woman character on their show is like it has no purpose other than to just be there with their tits you know out my job like, is to repeat the computer nothing exactly so she's better for that reason obviously i said recommend you know these other characters the one guy was like a kid on the show and now he's an adult obviously mm-hmm. uh the pilot guy so to me it was more about not about like saying that the nerds were right and we should be celebrating this, you know. It's just more a story about like the actors accepting that they're lucky to, you know, like in a way, like they they still had it better than a lot of people who never made it. You know, they still are known for something. Uh-huh. Like Alan Rigman at the end is like has to go through all this to be like, well, I did, I do have a purpose, you know, like. It's not what I wanted, but it means something to you, you know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of see what your point is, I guess, like when I'm, t- you know, threading it out here. But I-, I thought it was interesting enough still as a story. Like, Well, maybe if I rewatched the movie with the generosity toward your interpretation, I would like it a little better. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, overall, I just liked it because I just like the performances, I guess. I thought good. I think that good. the cast is completely stacked. Uh, the What's his name? I think his name's Enrico something... Colantini or something who, who plays the main alien is so uh-huh, good uh-huh, uh-huh. like his performance is just go, completely goes for it I love that yeah Rickman Tony Shalhoub is really good and I think Shalhoub is even Tim Allen even Tim Allen who I generally have to stand for and don't like is well suited to this one like well cast yeah as kind of like a douchebag Shatner guy whatever yeah no complaints about any performances really I'm gonna say I'm not saying it's like a complete classic but i think it held up pretty decently for me i wish i'd and picked another I, one <laughs> i didn't regret, regret rewatching it at all it just seemed so well, obvious you know it's about actors in the real world i don't know yeah i mean yeah it's about actors in the real world unlike asteroid city which is about actors in the fake world there actors inside actors inside a tv show about a play yeah well I do think, you know, we we kind of forced that one in because we wanted to get the Summer of Sigourney thing cracking still. We, we definitely so, had to hit, had to hit uh, triple digits on the Summer of Sigourney. I think looking at her filmography, I, 
I think you did hit. It was the right pair, ultimately. If I, I just known what the Year of Living Dangerously is about. If well, what I know about this film is I think it stars Mel Gibson, and I believe it. There's an actor who who actress who I don't recall what her name is. I think it's Linda Linda Hunt. I believe actually. Okay. I, think I do recall. You probably recognize her. She kind of looks like a, a actual version of the the character from The Incredibles. You know what I'm talking about? Is like the short woman with like a. Haircut <laughs> yes. Like, yes. like she actually looks like that in real life, kind of very short and with that hair. In this film, I believe she she won Best Supporting Actress for it. I think in '82 or whenever it came out, playing a male character. She plays like a Indonesian boy or something. Like it's something around the huh. lines of that. Okay. So and won the Oscar for it. So and again, stars Mel Gibson. So I think if we look on the problematic scale of this one, I think it's. We were right to go with Tim Allen, okay. <laughs> um, but I believe it's a Peter Weir film who is a, is a director that's pretty well regarded. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Who did, like, uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is really good, and uh, Witness, you know, with Harrison Ford. Did a lot of, like, seen it. Films. I have seen Witness. So, yeah. It might actually be okay, but it also might hold up terribly. And in some cases, I'm certain it probably does, but anyway... Um, you know, in the eight, the eighties were a wild time. Even after this film came out, there there's a movie called Soul Man, where a character uh, yep <laughs> did blackface and pretended to be black. This is the plot of the movie, I believe. <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus is in it. My God. Yeah, we'll be doing Soul Man and Year of Living Dangerously double feature for next month. Forget Barmanheim. This is what the people are asking for. We're doing Soul Year. No, I think we will. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll probably uh, see check in on the summer blockbusters next time. Maybe that by that point you will have seen uh, the latest Tom Cruise Opus Part One, and you can we can talk about that a little more. Dead wreck. I am going to. I'm going to see it in the next couple weeks. Dead ass. So. You better go see it. Um, we'll see if three hours is justified for Nolan's latest, and uh, we'll see if Gerwig keeps on her hot streak with Barbie. There's just no way Barbie can fail, Anything else you're looking forward to? I don't think so. I have seen... uh, I kind of looked at a couple of reviews that came out today. Uh, I didn't, like, read any full in-depth reviews, but just kind of scrolled a little Twitter, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a little bit of a... It's not amazing. Like, it's good, but not great sort of consensus I'm seeing. We'll we'll see. I think maybe it's not the... People are expecting, like, a feminist retort type of film, which I don't know if it fully is. It seems like some early reviews. Gotcha. Uh, it's maybe a little mixed message. But, obviously, we have to watch it for ourselves. I mean, ultimately, it is... Mattel is, like, paying for the film. Right, right. Essentially, so. It is... I think they're letting letting her, you know, do her thing t- to a degree, but... At the end of the day, it is corporate propaganda. I finally saw Air, speaking of corporate propaganda. Oh, yeah. Really? So you haven't seen more of the uh, yeah, company. I'm back in I'm back in the streets watching the movies. Air's pretty good. It's, like, really competent. Like, really competent. I heard on one of the podcasts I listened to, they, they were talking about it briefly. And I think they just said it was, it was, they liked it, but... It was hitting, like, the 80s button too much, I think was the term they used. Like, too many needle drops of, like, obvious 80s. It hit it hard. It hit it hard. Like that. Yeah, anything else you're looking forward to in the next month or so? Anything else I'm looking forward to? Um, 
these I feel like these three blockbusters are kind of sucking all the air out of the room. Uh, what is coming out? We can we can talk about it offline. Um, I finally saw Return to Sil, um, a a great little Korean movie. Um, what else have I seen lately? The Blackening was funny, uh, real cute. Oh okay. Didn't haven't heard, I haven't really heard anyone talking about that. I've seen a few billboards for it around town. Yeah, yeah, it kind of came and went. Horror comedies tend to do that, I guess. Um, pretty good, pretty, pretty good. There's a little bit of a rebound of like R-rated comedies. I'm not sure if that. I assume that's one of them. Maybe it's PG-13. Yeah, there's like hard drugs and shit. It's got to be. It's got to be R. Okay. The uh, Joy Ride I heard is, was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Um, so I watch. Apparently, originally called the Joy Fuck Club, which is a really. Oh my movie. god. So, like, obviously, they couldn't. Uh, had a change. I can't imagine Amy Tan would have let that one go. Yeah. And then I think that there's like a Jennifer Lawrence movie and blanking on the name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Another R-rated comedy, which I've heard might be okay. I don't know, but yeah, it might be a little renaissance for that. We'll see. But then again, that probably all won't make any money. And right, right. We'll we'll see. No one's making money right now, though. The strikes are happening. It's the talk of the town here in Hollywood. But we're still talking about this stuff. So we can't so. stop talking about this stuff. Can't stop, won't stop. Believe this might be the most I've spoken on one of our episodes in a long time. That's right. I was really letting, you know, normally I like to, speaking of taking the air out of the room, normally I'm coming in, running my mouth, <laughs> talking over you, etc. I just couldn't shut and up today, time, dog. I just wanted to lean back. I, I sat back in the cut a little bit on this one and let you go off, King. Well, thank you. Yeah, could not shut up. Uh, can't shut up about this movie. Won't shut up about this movie. Um, Asteroid City, five stars. I'll watch it again and reevaluate. By the way, I can't. I didn't have time to rewatch it because I decided I was going to. I watched a movie from 1940. Oh, here like, we. I'm just going to keep watching movies. I'm going to go every year. And in the past week, I've watched. I started at 1940, and I'm up to like nine. Nice. I, I'm watching movies in order, of here. And I'm just going to keep going. Oh, uh, what are the what are the highlights there? Um, well, you know, it's a lot of film noir, of course. I mixed in um, a couple of adventure ones, like one drama. Now I gotta see what. I gotta go back to my list. Like, it's. forgot what I. I watched, like, a couple of Humphrey Bogart ones that are, are more little seen. No, no Casablanca, you know, they're a little bit more obscure. One of those was called Across the Pacific, which came out the same year as Casablanca like kind of a war film uh with like the same all the same a lot of the same actors i watched you know a one that is pretty good you might like this one 19 my 1943 one is this film called the leopard Man. okay i like leopards it's only 70 minutes it's only about 70 minutes it also takes place in new mexico that's really the, the zeitgeist for some reason <laughs> i call it the zeitgeist because just because i personally my, yeah. the zeitgeist it's um it's like this guy and this woman are like, he's like her manager and she's like a singer. And it's kind of like New Mexico town, you know, not smallish town, but they have some entertainment there at this place. And she's kind of like a rival of this other entertainer who does better than her. So the manager like has an idea as like a gag or whatever, a gimmick to get this like little leopard that he borrows from this Native American guy who owns it. And then the leopard gets away during the performance like it goes completely wrong and later that night a girl is murdered in the town it's very like moody and atmospheric and and then they're like oh damn this leopard killed this girl like it was scared you know there's people chasing it 
But then, like, a couple of days later, another woman gets murdered, and it starts to be like, wait, is this leopard doing this? That doesn't really make sense. Is it a person doing this? So it's kind of a mystery, you know? Um, and again, it's really short. Is he half leopard, really half man? Atmosphere. Is that what it is? I won't say. I okay. won't say. But, uh, but yeah, I, I recommend that one. It's Chuck's Tornare, I believe, or however you say his name. That's really cool. For a minute, you were just describing uh, Purple Rain by Prince Rogers Nelson, and then you really were not. No, it's definitely very unprince-like, but I'd still suggest watching it. I watched one called The Amazing Mr. X from 1948. That's uh, kind of about a, a you know, a con artist, uh, a guy, uh, a medium guy. It's pretty interesting. Has a nice little twist mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, some good stuff in the 40s, uh, but now I'm into the 50s. Speaking of 1948, I watched Rope last week. Oh, hell yeah. One shot, or I don't know if it technically was, I think... I think he did some tricks to get it in one shot maybe but it's one of the first like all uh, quote-unquote one take films oh yeah you know the heads love that oh yeah and of course jimmy stewart the god yeah it's based on leopold and Loeb, i believe the, the uh-huh, US history uh-huh. story of these murders i think sure. it's got a lot of uh, one of the earliest films to be heavily uh, featuring uh, gay subtext as well yes yeah it's all it's all there. I haven't seen that one in a few in a while, probably like a decade. I should rewatch that. Hell yeah. Uh it was pretty good. Uh it was pretty good. Uh, it's a lot of like it falls into the psycho trap where the uh, Hitchcock likes to yeah. do that thing at the end that I don't like. Um but I mean it's otherwise Hitchcock, you know. Yeah, again it was yeah, it's definitely not one of my favorites of his cuz I guess cuz I haven't revisited it too often, but you know, I still should. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, doing doing that fucking new movies. I guess I'll see Barbenheimer, but I'm stuck in the 40s and 50s here. That's hilarious. I've been watching, like, a, like mostly 2023 catch-ups and then Rope for some reason. You know what? I did... I, I'm not, like, got, like being completely slavish about it. Like, I have watched other things here and there in the past week, too. I've been watching a lot of movies in general, I guess, but I watched um, a, a 2023 one called Lola. Have you heard of this? Lola. I, I would recommend it. It's pretty interesting. It's no. a black and white film, kind of sci-fi t- uh, film. So it takes place in uh, like World War Two in the late thirties in Britain. These two uh, like young women like build this like time machine kind of thing. It's like a machine where they can see TV from the future, so they can watch like David Bowie and all this stuff, even though it's thirty years in the future. That and then so they basically start working for the <laughs> British army to stop hitler in world war ii and like have the british like look look at in the future to see what the army should do which causes you know unforeseen complications that type of deal another really short one that really sounds fucking cool like, yeah 75 80 minutes yeah it's really low budget but they they splice in like obviously real historical footage and stuff i like the way it was shot i liked uh, the performances that was interesting so yeah, that's a wreck for me. Lola, it's the name of the, they call it, it was their mother's name or something, they call the time machine that. Um, Interesting. But yeah, that's, uh, that's that. I guess we can wrap it up here, though. There's plenty of stuff to watch. And yeah, we'll probably check in some blockbusters next time. Yeah, we'll see you a month late for Barbenheimer discourse. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you on Christmas Eve for talking about Oppenheimer. <laughs> yes. All right. And stay subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network. Check us out on Drew's Views on YouTube. And until next time, we're out of here. Peace.
Peace. Boys Productions.